ओनो मित्रशं वरुण शो भवत्मांद्रो बृहस्पति शो विष्णुक्रम नमो ब्रह्मणे नमस्ते वायो प्रत्यक्ष ब्रह्मसी प्रत्यक्ष ब्रह्म वदिष्यातम वदिष्यात्यम वदिष्यामवधो तद्वक्तावधो सहनावदो सहनो भुनक्त सह वीर वह तेजस्वीतम विद्वेषा वह
सारं वक्षे यम समस्टि उत्कृष्टोपादितया विशुद्ध सत्व प्रधाना describing the samastiya aggregate aspect of vidya or ignorance says that what is known as ag- aggregate aspect the, the collective aspect <coughs> is vishuddha sattva pradhana when is prakriti or ignorance a has is predominant in sattva then we have what we call the the aggregate aspect or the total viewpoint and chaitanyam or the consciousness associated with <coughs> ignorance such as that, which elsewhere is called maya, which is predominance in sattva or purity or transparency, is called Ishwaraha. And wherever, as you say yesterday, where there is a pradhanyam or predominance of sattva, there is knowledge. When there is purity, there is knowledge, there is happiness, there is a natural uh, rulership. In fact, Lord rules the whole creation without an effort of ruling actually. So he is called the ruler, he is called the indweller, the inner controller, the omniscient, the omnipotent. So all of these designations Chaitanyam or Brahman gains on account of its association with Maya or this Samashti Agnanam. <coughs> so you should know that it is Brahman alone who is called God, Ishwara, ruler or the Lord. He alone is called creator, sustainer, dissolver. It's not somebody else. Brahman, Chaitanyam alone is called that. It is called Jagatkaranam, the cause of creation. Why did so? Not that there is causality in Brahman. Not that there is rulership or any kind of an attribute in Brahman. All these attributes belong to Maya. All of these belong to the Upadhi. However, Brahman associated with the Upadhi comes to be called by all these names. So when we think of God, how do we think? We always think in relation to ourselves at the moment. As I think of myself presently, with reference to that, I think of God. I know myself as a limited being, so I think of God as limitless. I know myself as limited in knowledge, therefore I think of Him as omniscient. I take myself as limited in power, I take Him to be omnipotent. I am limited in space or place, I think of him as all-pervasive. I see this world which is, which is, which is an order. Therefore, I look upon God as the one who maintains order, as the one who is the, who is the ordainer. <coughs> so I find that there is an order in terms of the karma and the karma phala, the result and its actions. Therefore, I call him karma adhyaksha, one who, who presides over all the actions. I call him karma phala data, one who gives the results of the actions. So this is how we think of God. Because we always think of God with a reference to our own self. And whatever limitations we are experiencing at the moment, all those limitations, we imagine God to be free of all those limitations. And however, what, is, what are the kind of limitations I am experiencing? I am experiencing limitation with reference to my Upadhi. This Upadhi, which is body, mind, intellect, which is taken to be the self, and that is limited in every respect, and therefore, when I think of God, I think of Him as limitless, also with reference to Upadhi. So when we try to imagine or visualize eternal in our mind, then we always visualize it as stretched out in time. When we visualize all pervasive in our mind, then we always visualize it as stretched out all over space. So all of these is with reference to Upadhi. That is why Brahman, when looked upon from what we call the total standpoint, which is how we visualize or we imagine, he comes to be called God, meaning Brahman with attributes. So Brahman with attributes is called Ishwara, the Lord. <coughs> now, where you use the word God, etc. is up to you. And therefore, which word is used in what context must be understood. We may use the word God in terms of Brahman with attributes, or we may use God for Brahman without attributes also, depends upon how we use the word. But Brahman with attributes is called Ishwaraha, and in, in reality it is without any attributes, <coughs> but on account of association with Upadhi, he comes to be designated by all these names. 
And what is the nature of the Nupadhi? Akhila Karnatvat, Karnasariram. It is called the causal body of Brahman or causal body of the Lord because it is the cause of the subtle and the gross creation. Ananda Prachuratvat, Koshvad Achadakatvach, Anandamah Koshah. Inasmuch as the Upadhi, Samashti Upadhi, also conceals the true nature of Brahman. Therefore, it is called Kosha. So that which conceals is called Kosha. Like a scabbard conceals or hides the, the sword. So scabbard is called a Kosha, that which conceals or hides or veils. Similarly also, the Dupadi veils the true nature of God or Brahman. So how a magician is a person, a simple person. But when associated with magic, he is called magician. A simple person can be called magician. When we look upon him through the standpoint of magic, then we call him as possessed of all kinds of powers. <coughs> so that power that he has, there is the power of magic, is what creates this magical world. Therefore, it is the cause of that magical world. Because that power which is magic, under spell of which we are, we are not able to recognize that magician as a person that he is. Therefore, it acts as a veil. It acts as something that actually hides the true nature of that person. Therefore, it's called kosha. Inasmuch as in the magic, when everything is dissolved, when all of, suppose you are watching the magic, all your problems are resolved and you are enjoying, you are happy. It is called anandamaya kosha. So also, when it is Vishuddha Sattva Pradhana, in this Upadhi of the Lord, because it is, it is predominance in Sattva or purity, therefore, it is predominance in happiness, therefore, it is Anandamaya. That which is full of happiness, but it is Kosha in as much as it, as though veils the true nature of the magician of Lord or Brahman. Sarvopanavatvat Sushuptihi It's called Sushuptihi. It's called the sleep of the Lord. Sarvo Paramatvat. Because what do we understand as sleep? Where everything is resolved. Where there is cessation of all duality. What is called sleep is where there is cessation of all the duality. Cessation of all these complexes. Cessation of any kind of sense of individuality or whatever. So that is what we call sleep. And here also there is a total sense of absence of, total absence of duality where everything resolves there, therefore it is called Sushuptihi, Sarma Paramatvat Sushuptihi. Inasmuch as there is a cessation of all the phenomena, therefore it is called Sushupti or, or sleep. And Atahayeva Sula Sukhna Prapanchalaya Sthanam Dhuchyade. And therefore also it is called Layasthanam, it is the, the abode or the place of resolving of the gross and the subtle creation. It will be subsequently described how the process of laya or a process of resolving takes place. First we'll describe, they will describe the process of creation, how the evolution takes place. And then we will describe how the involution, the reverse process takes place. In the process of evolution, from the causal we have the subtle and from the subtle to the gross. So causal or the potential evolves into subtle and the subtle evolves into gross. As it is our experience also, that any gross creation, such as this hall, for example, was before its creation in the in the subtle form, in the form of perhaps some plans and things like that, you know, some designs and drawings. And even before that it was in that form, it was in yet subtler form in the form of the thought. Various thoughts which were manifest in the form of those drawings. And all these various thoughts also were in yet subtler form in the form of just one thought. When the thought of a temple arose, then that thought of the temple had the potential of all the various plans that emerged from there. And those plans had the potential of this gross temple that we have in front of us. So first this is a potential, potential of the temple. Then that idea slowly and slowly gains a concrete form. Then it gets all the details and then we have a concrete external temple. When an artist, for example, draws, maybe a painter draws a painting, he first draws an outline, then draws the main features, then starts giving, you know, the colors, and then slowly and slowly fills up all the details. So details emerge in course of time. You know the Polaroid picture? When you, first, if, when you take a Polaroid picture, you observe 
how the evolution takes place. First you just see the outlines and slowly and slowly the outlines start becoming clearer and clearer and clearer. There's different colors also and the shades become clearer. In one or two minutes the whole picture is clear. So how from what was just the potential, when you pull it out from the camera, there is nothing, you can't see anything. Even though the whole picture is there, but it's there potentially. And then it slowly and slowly uh, evolves into a full-fledged picture. And this is how any kind of an evolution takes place. From the potential state or the causal state to what we call the subtle state and from there to the gross state. The involution will be just the opposite. The gross resolves or merges into the process. The merger is opposite. The gross merges into the subtle. The subtle merges into the causal. Just as when we go to sleep. First of all, when we are awake, there is a total identification. We are identified with our gross body as well as with our subtle body. Subtle body being our mind, sense organs, etc. So the waking stage, there is a full-fledged identification. Then there is a process of withdrawal, a process of merger as we fall asleep. First goes away the awareness of the gross body. And therefore the gross body or the, that, that gross world or the waking world then merges into what we call the dream world. And then the awareness of even the mind or the subtle body also goes away and we fall asleep completely, then we are in what we call the causal state. So how every day we experience the process of merger also, the gross merging into subtle and the subtle merging into causal. When you wake up, the process is reversed. That first you wake up to your dream, often. That's the reason why in the morning often we find ourselves waking up from dreams. Because in the process of waking up, you wake up to first half sleep or half waking, which is called dream. So from the causal to the dream world, which is subtle, and from there we wake up to the waking world, which is gross. So evolution is from causal to the subtle to the gross. The merger is from the gross to the subtle to the causal. So here we are talking about the causal state of God, where the whole gross and the subtle creation is completely merged. So it is said, Ataha eva sthula sukshma prapanchalayasthana vita itacha uchade. Therefore, this upadhi of Lord, which is samashti of the totality, which is a causal state, is also called the place of merger for the gross and the subtle creations. <coughs> now, continuing. Says the passage 40. Yatha Vanasya Vyashtya Viprayana Vrukshaha Iti Anekatva Vyapadeshaha Yathava Jalashayasya Vyashtya Viprayana Jalani Iti Tatha Ajnanasya Vyashti Abhiprayena Tat Anekatva Vyapadeshaha Indro Maya Bihi Pururupaha Iyade now having described the samasti or the aggregate of the totality now the teacher proceeds to describe the Vyasti or the individual. See, there is a very beautiful arrangement of the whole ideas here. It starts, starts first from the cause, 
then comes to the subtle, then comes to the gross, and starts from the total, and then comes to the individual. So having described Ishwara, who is Brahman or Chaitanyam associated with the total upadi, now comes to describe the individual. Yatha vanasya vyasti abhiprayana vrikshahayati anegatva vyapadeshaha. Just as one or a forest, a forest from the individual standpoint comes to be called vrikshaha, trees. In fact, reality is forest. What is the forest? One. And still, that very forest comes to be called many trees. How one gains the designation of many? How one is called many? This is to be understood. Forest, which is one, comes to be called many trees. Why is it so? That manyness is a standpoint. So when you change your standpoint, as long as you're up in the air, maybe seven miles, above 35,000 feet in a jet plane, you saw the whole forest. So in, you see, when you are in the jet plane, then your vision is, has a vast scope. And therefore, just in one vision or in one sight, you are able to encompass the knowledge of the whole forest. So when you rise to that height, how you are able to comprehend the whole forest or vision or see the whole forest, just in one sight. Now you change your abhipraya, change your standpoint that is known as the Vyasti abhipraya or the individual standpoint. But in order to gain that individual standpoint, you have to do something. You cannot remain in the jet plane and still be able to appreciate the trees individually. You must come down to the ground and then alone you can appreciate the trees individually. So how that very same thing which was called forest, which was one, designated as one, when you change the standpoint, meaning when you come down to the ground. So changing the standpoint, something has to be done. You came down from the height up to the, to the ground, and then you are able to appreciate or you are able to perceive the individual trees or trees with their individualities, and then you say, there are many trees. How Brahman is one, but can be designated as many, when you change the standpoint. When you change the standpoint, meaning, when you identify with just one upadi or one uh, body-mind intellect complex, then you will see, you will designate same Brahman as many. So important thing to be understood is, it is the same forest which is one is now designated or perceived by us or branded by us as many. And similarly also, one Chaitanyam or one Ishwara, one Lord who is all-pervasive, when we change the standpoint, what we call the individual standpoint, meaning when we identify, so coming to the ground is coming to the body, identification. So when we identify with this one equipment, one upadi, then that very same Ishwara now is seen by us as many names and forms. So it's not that the changes happen in the forest and therefore you see it as many trees, or not that changes happen really in Ishwara or Lord that you see it as many beings, but we have changed our standpoint. Formerly, when I was able to perceive or appreciate the creation from a total standpoint without identification with any one upadi, then I was able to see oneness everywhere and one Lord alone. Now I see many, many beings, each one separate or distinct from the others. So, it is our mind really that sees many where there is one. That's the point here. How where there is one forest, one sees many trees, and so, so, where there is one Ishwara, one Lord, our own mind sees it as many on account of its identification with one Upadhi. <coughs> so, that is called Vyasti Abhipraya or individual standpoint. Vrukshahayati anekatva vyapadeshaha. How vyapadeshaha? How there is a designation or there is a nomenclature of Vrukshaha. We proclaim now as trees. How that one thing alone comes to be called as many. Yathava jalasyasya vishtavhiprayana jalanidhi. Or continues to give another example. Again, when you are at that height, let's say in a jet plane, you see a whole reservoir, like a big lake, you see again in one sweep. When you come down, you might perhaps see 
many pools of water of which that whole reservoir or whole lake is made. So at that height we can see everything in one sweep and we can see the oneness. When you come down here, then you find that your, your vision is now restricted, limited. Whereas in one sweep you could cover the vision of the whole forest or a whole reservoir. At that height, when you come down to the earth, in one sweep what can you see? One tree. Or in one sweep what can you see? Just one pool of water. And therefore that is called individual standpoint where our own drashti, our own seeing or our own, our own sight is, uh, our own vision rather is restricted because we have come down. So how that one lake or one reservoir now gains the designation as many pools of water. Tatha And similarly also this had very same ignorance, very same upadi, vyashtyabhiprayana. From the standpoint of vyashti, all the standpoint of the units or individuals, anekatvabhyapadeshah. Now we say there are many upadis. Formerly upadi was known as one, understood as one. Now, we see it as many upadis. When I identify with one upadi, I see many upadis, many ignorance. Ignorance means this upadi which is a product of ignorance. Now I see many, each one different from the other. <coughs> Interesting thing is, how can one appear as many? So gives a quotation here. Indro mayabhi pururupaha iyate. Indraha. Indra means parmeshwaraha. Interesting thing, the word Indra is explained as God. Actually, Indra is the name of a deity. He is supposed to be the king of heavens. But then, etymologically, derivatively, the word Indra is Indati. Indra word is derived from the root Ind. Indra is in the sense of Paramaishwarya. Indra is in the sense of the great overlordship. So, Indati it Indraha. So one who is great overlord is called Indraha. Indra means therefore Parameshwaraha. So who is the lord of all? So Indraha Maya Bhi Pururupaha Iyate. Indraha Parameshwaraha. Maya Bhi Maya Vikshepa Shakti Bhi. Vikshipteshu Dehendriyantahkaraneshu Pratimbaha Pururupaha Bahurupaha Sanyate Prakashade. Same Indra the Paramatma, the Lord. <coughs> On account of his maya, here the word maya means the products of maya, all many minds that are created. On account of this Indra or the Lord being reflected in many pools of water, like the sun being reflected in many pools, many buckets, so also one Lord being reflected in the many hearts or many upadis, he comes to be called as many jivas. So pururupaha, bahurupaha, iyate, prakashate. One Lord alone as though becomes many or as shines as many. One sun, when reflected in big reservoir or one lake, appears as one. The very same sun, when now reflecting in many buckets, appears as many. So how one sun can appear as many? It is not that the sun is really divided, he appears as many. And how does he appear as many? On account of being reflected in many reflecting media, in many, in many buckets, or many reflecting pools, he appears as many. So, Pururupa Iyade. This is a very famous quotation. <coughs> Indra Maya Bhi Pururupa Iyade. Pururupa Bahurupa Iyade Prakashade. Indra, on account of his Maya, appears as many. Just as the sun, on account of his power, as though appears as many reflections, so also. One Ishvara, one Lord, appears as many jivas. He appears as many beings on account of being reflected in individual pools, individual minds. As we are discussing in Panchadashi, the mind is a transparent medium and therefore it reflects consciousness. So as many minds are there, as many reflections are there. Just as any, as many buckets are there, as many reflections of sun are there, and so also as many minds are there, so many reflections are there. So as many minds are there, so many jivas or individuals are there. So these minds are also created from maya and being reflected in them, one Parameshwara appears as many jivas. 
Eko Jalavan Ishare Ishani Vi says elsewhere in another Upanishad, Svirashwada Upanishad, Yeko Jalavan Ishare Ishani Vi. One Jalavan, one Mayavya, one magician, on account of his powers appears as many. Is it have you ever seen such a magic? I don't know. Did it ever happen that a magician appears as more than one person? I don't know. But here this is a magic. Maybe that kind of magic we have not seen, that one magician appearing as many. They describe, often Shankaracharya describes in his commentaries this magic, that here is a magician that takes a rope and throws into air and then climbs that rope. And there in the air he fights with somebody, you know, with a sword and thing, and you can hear all that. And then, then you see that one of that magician is fallen down in pieces. And then again all the pieces jump join and you have the magician one whole. So this kind of a magic Shankaracharya describes. So it, he says all along the real magician is standing on the side. And the one who climbs is also a false one. One who fights also is false. One is broken to pieces, cut into pieces also is false. And the one who joins, all of this is only false. But how one magician creates appearance. He himself appears like this. And therefore it is said here again and again, it is one Brahman, one God who alone appears as all these things and beings. Just as one magician, because of this power of magic, can appear as many. This we have seen that sometimes there is a woman there, you know, in the magic show. They, they cut, you know, they, why woman, I don't know, that, so that's what it used to be. And she is placed in one, one wooden box or something. And then they cut her into pieces and things like that. And then, then she comes out in one piece. And these kind of things were shown. All of these are creations. So how one magician can create many? What is not that he can create? Where there is one he can create the appearance of many? And so also Ishwara is a... That's why it's called Maya. We, that's why the power of Lord is called Maya. Maya literally means magic. Which makes impossible things possible. Magic is that which makes impossible thing possible. What is impossible? Logically to an ordinary man anyway. That where there is nothing in the hand, he says, oh, look at, look at the apple, and you see an apple. And here's a piece of paper, he says, look at this $500 bill, and you see a $500 bill. So where there's a piece of newspaper, you see a $500 bill. So what is impossible is created. So Maya is called Aghatita Ghatana Patiyasi. This discussion will come in the afternoon, how Maya creates impossible. Which is not logical, doesn't make sense, and still it is there. And so also this Lord, on account of his power called Maya, appears as many. Not that he has become many. Not that magician has become many. Not that he really fights and gets cut into pieces. Otherwise he cannot be joined. But that is, being cut into pieces is merely an appearance. Therefore he can come out in one piece. And so also, this many is an appearance. That's all the Vedantins keep on saying that day in and day out, this many is an appearance. One is a fact and many is appearance. How can one appear as many? Because of what is known as Maya. We don't know. You cannot explain how one can appear as many. They give illustrations of a sun, of the sun being reflected in many pools of water. Or you being reflected in various mirrors and each reflection being different from other reflection. And how the peculiarities of the mirror are there in the reflection, therefore, how every reflection appears to be different from every other reflection. And how therefore also every jiva appears different from every, every other jiva. So that's how we explain the diversity also. But the idea is, the diversity is not the fact, diversity is an appearance. the fact, manyness is appearance. So this is something to be noted. Therefore he says, Indraha maya bhi puru rupa iyate. Iyate means either prakasya. He shines or appears as many because of his maya. <coughs> okay. Then, in the next passage, how one ignorance alone gets to be called Vyasti and Samasti, individual and collective. So how one ignorance alone comes to be called by these 
two names that is being explained in the verse 41. Atra Vyasta Samasta Vyapitvena Vyashti Samashtita Vyapadesha Atra Atra means in Agnane with reference to the ignorance that we are talking about Vyasta Samasta Vyapitvena Vyasti Samashtita Vyapadesha When do you call it aggregate and where do you call it one? Depending upon how much you in, in, you know, in, in, in one sweep, how much you can perceive. So when you are in a jet plane, in one sweep you can see the whole forest, therefore you call it one. And when you come down to the ground, that in one side you can see only a tree and therefore you call it a tree. So what happens is, our own vision gets restricted. You understand what happens? So it is same thing, which comes to be called differently as one and many depending upon what your vision pervades. When you are at that height, your one vision or one sight pervades the entire forest and you call it one forest. When you come down to the ground, your vision now, your eyes only can comprehend only one tree or several trees and therefore you call it many trees. Similarly also, Vyasta Samastha Vyapitvena In as when the ignorance pervades everything, then you call it Vyasti or the totality. When that ignorance only encompasses individual things, then you call it Samastha. I mean, sorry, when it is, uh, it covers everything, you call it Samasti, the totality. And when it pervades only one or encompasses only one, then you call it Vyasti or individuality. So again, there are only two standpoints. That when I am identified with my Upadi, I see only individuals everywhere. When I give up that identification, as in deep sleep, for example. Of course, we don't see anything in deep sleep. But in deep sleep, there is no sense of individuality in there. We don't even see the multiplicity. Thus, when we wake up, we project the multiplicity, you can say. In deep sleep, when the mind is not there, when the identification is not, the duality is not seen. And when we wake up, where does the duality come from? We may say that our mind projects it, because now it's it's vision becomes narrow. So, with an all-encompassing vision, what was appreciated as one, is now appreciated as many or called as many when the vision becomes narrow. <coughs> so, here also, when the ignorance pervades what you call individual units, it is called Vyashti. When it pervades everything, it is called Samashti. <coughs> or, you can look at it another way, you can see many ornaments, or you can see one gold, right there. When do you see many ornaments? When your attention is focused to the names and forms. And when do you see this gold? When, you are, when your focus changes from name and form to the cause or the content. So when our attention is focused on the effect, then we see many. When the attention is focused on the cause, then we see as one. That's all. So it doesn't have, it's not that eyes have to really we are not talking of this, this physical eyes here. We are talking of the mind's eye. It is a mind really that sees many ornaments there. In the very same mind sees one gold there. So, Vyasti Vyapitvena. When the mind pervades only one ornament, meaning it, its attention is focused only on one design or one name and form, then the mind says there are many ornaments. The very same mind, when its attention, its focus of attention is changed to the content of the cause, then it says there is one goal. And so also we can say there are many things and beings and many names and forms, when our attention is focused to the name and form, and when we move our attention to what is common to all the names and forms, then we will say that there is one Ishvara, one Lord. It's merely a matter of changing the focus of attention, nothing else. <coughs> No change has to take place. The forest doesn't have to change to be appreciated as one or many. So also, no change has to happen in what we perceive. The change has to happen only in our perception. So many also is perception and one also is perception. Many the perception when the attention is focused upon the effect, 
upon individuality, upon the distinctions, and one is also the perception when the attention is focused on that which is common. Lord Krishna says in Bhagavad Gita that I am like the thread in a big embroidery. How from one thread they make an embroidery? Having, you know, having a very complicated design. So in one embroidery alone you may have a design. But you can perhaps draw a big temple and draw many devotees and draw trees around the temple and the lake and all kinds of things you can draw in one embroidery. So actually there is only one, from the standpoint of thread, it is one thread alone that appears as temple and the deity and the devotees and the trees and everything else. So when your attention is focused upon the thread, you will see only one thread everywhere. When your attention is focused upon design, then you will see every element different from every other element. So Lord Krishna says, the whole creation is woven into me. I am like a thread in which the whole creation is woven. I alone become every name and form. So, if you pay attention to the distinctions, name and form, we think that there are many. When you shift the focus from name and form to that of which the name and form is made, then we see that it is one thread, one content or one Lord alone, of which this whole universal embroidery is made. <coughs> so, it is a matter of standpoint or the focus of attention. Alright, now that we are talking vyasti of the individual, what is the nature of that individual upadhi that is being said in passage 42? Iyam vyastihi nikrashta upadhitaya malina sattva pradhana Iyam vyastihi this vyasti or this individual ignorance, nikrashta upaditaya, on account of the fact that it is nikrashta upadi, inferior upadi, malina sattva pradhana, therefore it is malina sattva pradhana, it is characterized by malina or impure sattva. So the upadi of Lord was Vishuddha Sattva Pradhana, where there was predominance of Sattva, Upadhi of Jiva is Malina Sattva Pradhana. The Agnyanam or ignorance of the Jiva is Malina Sattva Pradhana, meaning that Sattva is there, but it is overwhelmed by Rajas and Tamas, impurity. So what are the impurities in our mind? The likes and dislikes, Raga and Dvesha, attachments and aversions, we call them impurities. As he has been saying, Raga means Rajas and Dvesha means Tamas. So Rajas and Tamas are the impurities or Mala in our mind. So Malinam, that is impure. So when this Ajnanam becomes impure on account of predominance of Rajas and Tamas, when Sattva, the purity of transparency is overwhelmed by the impurity of Rajas and Tamas, then the very same Upadi appears as many. How one upadi or one ajnanam appears as many when there is this predominance of rajas and tamas or the impurity. So nikrushta upadi, nikrushtasya upadi or nikrushtaschasa upadi. Nikrushta upadi means inferior upadi. Inferior upadi can be understood as upadi of the inferior. Upadi of the inferior or Upadi that is inferior. When it's Upadi that is inferior, then inferiority belongs to Upadi. And why is the Upadi inferior? Because it has a predominance of impurity of Rajas and Tamas. <coughs> when you say that in Upadi of the inferior, then inferiority belongs to the one to whom the Upadi is related, namely this Jiva. So since when Agnyanam becomes the upadi of this inferior who is jiva, then it is it is the malina sattva pradhana, then it becomes characterized by predominance of impurity. <coughs> That's the reason why jnana pratibandha karanavan pratibandha avaranavan jiva. Lord Krishna in this dialogue in Bhagavad Gita says 
एट वन पॉइंट अर्जुन बहूनि में व्यतीतानि जन्मानि दवचार्जुन तानहम वेद सर्वाणि नत्वम वेत्थ परंतपा अर्जुन इज आस्किंग क्वेश्चन इन लॉर्ड कृष्ण रिप्लाइज दैलुक अर्जुन यू एंड आई बोथ गॉन थ्रू सो मेनी इनकानेशन यू हैव बीन बॉर्न काउंटलेस नंबर ऑफ टाइम्स एंड आई हैल्सो गॉन थ्रू मेनी इनकानेशन फ्रॉम दैट स्टैंड पॉइंट वी आर नॉट डिफरेंट फ्रॉम इच अदर वेर लाइज अ डिफरेंस तान्यम वेद सर्वाणी आई नो ऑल ऑफ दैम नत्वम वेत्थ परंतप बढ़े अर्जुन यू डू नॉट नो Your knowledge is limited because there is obstacle to your knowledge. Ideally, everyone is Satanyam, the limitless awareness. So, ideally, everyone should have that limitless knowledge also. But whereas God has the limitless knowledge, He is omniscient. The jiva, the individual, is restricted in knowledge, limited in knowledge, because there is an obstacle to that knowledge. What is obstacle? Those impurities, rajas and tamas. देयर ज्ञान प्रतिबंधक आवरण इन केस ऑफ जीवा दट वेरी इग्नोरेंस बिकम्स आवरण इन केस ऑफ ईश्वरा दट इग्नोरेंस बिकम्स ए ग्लोरी बिकॉज इट इग्नोरेंस टोटल इग्नोरेंस एंड क्रिएट्स द जीवा ऑन द अदर हैंड इज अंडर द स्पेल ऑफ दट वेरी सेम इग्नोरेंस लाइक अ मेजिशियन विल्ड इज मैजिक वेर इज अ स्पेक्टेटर इज अंडर द स्पेल ऑफ द मैजिक हाउ द वेरी सेम मैजिक एज टू काइंड ऑफ इफेक्ट and it becomes a, a glory of one and it becomes a problem for the other one and so so the very same ignorance which is glory of the lord a power of the lord with which he creates with which he controls that very same ignorance becomes a problem for the jiva because he is under the spell of the ignorance he is controlled by the ignorance he finds himself limited in every way on account of the ignorance sarupadi so upadi so, becomes the glory of the lord that very upadi on account of ignorance becomes a burden or a limitation to the individual or jiva therefore the true nature of jiva or the individual also is consciousness but then his knowledge is thwarted or his knowledge is restricted his knowledge and abilities are all obstructed on account of ignorance characterized by rajas and tamas ignorance with rajas and tamas <coughs> So, jiva nikrusta hai tasti upadaya. So, jiva who is under the spell of this ignorance, this when it becomes upadaya, such a jiva who is inferior, it is called nikrusta upadaya. Or malinam res tamobhyam abhivutam sattvam prathanam syahasa malin sattva prathan. Or as we said, the upadaya itself is called inferior because it is characterized by predominance of impurity of rajas and tamas. <coughs> so what happens is this when the just as when the water is impure how water cannot clearly reflect you know even the if even when the surface of a mirror is for example covered by dust how the mirror is not clearly able to reflect our i mean our image and in fact if the dust is too much you won't see anything in the mirror at all even though the nature of mirror is transparent and by nature the mirror reflects but when that reflecting ability is obstructed by the dust or the layer of dust then how the mirror is not able to reflect the water also is transparent by nature and therefore water also should clearly show the reflection when there is dirt in the water how that reflection also becomes dull how it becomes wavy so it is the water remains transparent in spite of the dirt being there but the transparency is obstructed and so so our mind is transparent by nature but the transparency is obstructed that's the reason why when our mind is under the spell of rajas and tamas that means when we are agitated when we are worried when we are anxious then that mind cannot clearly think so mind cannot know or cannot clearly think when it is under the spell of rajas you know activity restlessness agitation or tamas when the mind is dull sleepy then also it cannot grasp or cannot understand so knowledge can be there only when there is sattva in the mind and knowledge cannot take place a mind will not be able to comprehend things when there is rajas and tamas that's the reason why in the 17th chapter of bhagavad gita 
Lord Krishna even talks of food. That is conducive to sattva. So for the one who is pursuing knowledge, it is necessary that the mind should be contemplative, generally. Should be receiving, receptive, contemplative, thinking. And that can be only when the mind is sattvic. When there is rajas and tamas, mind cannot clearly think. So there is certain food that is, that only imparts rajas, you avoid that. Food that imparts tamas to the mind, you avoid that. And food that is conducive to sattva, you choose that. <coughs> of course, food that we eat here, food that we, that we eat here in the western countries are essentially sattvic, really. All the salads and the fruits and, you know, bland food is all good. It's all sattva. Except this chocolate and this caffeine and, you know, this, this cheese and stuff like that. So, there's all that, that caffeine, you know, there's all rajas. Cheese and all that stuff will be tamas, you know. But otherwise, eating salads and fruits and it's all excellent. Milk, all of this is sattvic. Avoiding all the spices, etc. is all good, it's all sattvic. Too many spices, too much spices, you know, all of that is rajas. Makes the mind restless. You know, it has an effect, as we said yesterday, that the mind also is made of food, in a way. Because when you eat the food, the middle portion of the food goes into making the body, the flesh, etc. And the subtle portion of the food goes into making of the mind. And so it's very important what you eat. Very important. And perhaps most people do not even feel the difference. But as you become sensitive, then you'll feel the difference. When you have white cloths, when you wash it, then when there is even a stain, small dot there, you'll notice that. If the cloth is dirty, one more dot doesn't, doesn't appear at all. But when the cloth becomes, is clean, then every little thing. So when you come to Gurukulam, you know, this is what happens also. That as we expose ourselves to the teaching, we become more and more sensitive. Sensitive to our own self, which we were not before. That's why a lot of pain is felt very often, you know, which I never felt before because now I have become sensitive. Of course, I am now thrown on my own lap also and therefore I have to deal with what is inside. I cannot avoid it. Formally, I could avoid it by engaging myself in some kind of a distraction. And the distraction not being available, I am obliged or I am required to deal with it. At the same time, I have become very sensitive also. So when you become sensitive, then when your mind becomes cleaner and more and more transparent, every little dot becomes more, very predominant. When the, the cloth, white cloth is washed, even one dot will attract your attention. So anything that happens in your mind will attract your attention. <coughs> then you will find even the food also has effect. That you eat a certain kind of food, your mind is some, you know, in, of a certain, then you find it is agitated or it is tranquil, it is dull. So as you will become more and more sensitive, you will see how the food has effect on your mind, how the company that you keep also has an effect on the mind, how the conversation that you have has an effect on your mind, how what you read has an effect on your mind, how would you change all of this, how it has effect on your mind, you will discover this as the mind becomes more and more sensitive. <coughs> In short, when the mind is under the spell of this rajas and tamas, the ragas and dveshas, then our ability to know and all our abilities, all of them, they become obstructed. So jiva is one, all his abilities and knowledge is obstructed, therefore his knowledge is very restricted. What is our knowledge? It spans what time? Only this lifetime. Vedaham samaditani vartamanani charjana bhavishyanaja bhutani mamto vedana kasyana Again Lord Krishna says in Gita, Vedaham samaditani, I know what is all gone in the past. Vartamanani charjana, what is in the present? Bhavishyanaja bhutani, what is going to come in future? So knowledge of God extends, you know, to all the three periods of time. He knows everything simultaneously. Maam to Vedana Kasyana. But he says, nobody knows me. Because the knowledge of the jiva is obstructed. <coughs> and therefore, our knowledge only spans or extends to at a few, one lifetime. That too also we forget so many things. We forget only perhaps what is important. We remember only what is important or remember those things which have created an impact upon us, everything else is forgotten. So, this 
That's the reason why it is very difficult to judge a given thing as right and wrong in our life, by the way. Because we judge something as right or wrong, or just, just or unjust, based on our limited knowledge of this lifetime. We do not know what all has gone on in the previous lifetime. When you find a person is harassing you in this lifetime, maybe settling an account, you know, of what you may have done to that person sometime in the past. Anyway, there's no way of knowing whether what's happening today is just or unjust because our knowledge is very limited or restricted. That's why it's called Nikrusta Upadi. Nikrustasya Upadi or Nikrustaschasa Upadi. The Upadi itself is inferior because it is under the spell of Rajas and Tamas and is Upadi of the inferior because Jiva is inferior because of the ego, his whole scope he is limited only to one individuality. Yam Vyastihi Nikrishtu Upadhyaya Malina Sattva Pradhana Now, describes now the nature of Jiva in the, in the passage 43. Etadupahitam Chaitanyam Alpagnyatva Anishwaratvade Gunakam Pragnaha Iti Uchade Eka Agnana Avabhasakatvad Eta Dupahitam meaning Vesti Agnana Upahitam. Now we are talking of Chaitanyam, the, the awareness which is conditioned by this, this individual ignorance or the inferior ignorance, that Chaitanyam or the consciousness, as I say, becomes Alpajnyatva Anishwaratva Gunakam, this Jiva. Same Chaitanyam, the same awareness, when associated with the totality, then comes to be called Ishwara. The same Chaitanyam or same Brahma, in association with this individual ignorance or individual upadi comes to be called jiva. <coughs> For that the word given here is pragnya. So this jiva is called pragnya. Alpagnyatva anishwaratvadi gunakam. Alpagnyatvam because gnya means knowledge. Gnya means knower. Alpagnya means one who knows alpa or limited. So he, Alpagnyatva, this jiva or individual is characterized by little knowledge, littleness of knowledge. Anishwaratva, he is characterized by Anishwaratva, he is controlled. So on account of association with the total upadi, that same Chaitanyam gains the designation of controller. Same Brahman, on account of its association with individual upadi, becomes controlled. Imagine. Controller also is the same Brahman, controlled also is the same Brahman on account of association with the individual upadi, association with ignorance. So at the individual level, as you said, the jiva is under the spell of the ignorance and therefore he feels controlled, he feels helpless. So the sense of helplessness that we experience at the level of body, mind, in our knowledge, in our ability, you know, can't remember what you want to remember, cannot do what you want to do, just don't have enough, perhaps enough strength. You cannot climb what you want to climb because there is not enough strength again. So again and again we find ourselves limited. And therefore you find yourself helpless or restrained in your abilities. All of that is because of this upadhi. Pragnya hiti uchade. This individual or jiva is called pragnya. Eka agnyana avabhasakatvat. On account of his scope being limited to one individual ignorance. So when my scope of existence is limited to one individual upadi or one individual ignorance, then I am called pragnya. So eka agnyana vahasakatva because I illumine or I am associated with only one ignorance, one upadi or the individuality. So it's called pragnya. Jiva is called Pragnya. Actually, Pragnyaheva Prakarshena Gnyaha Pragnyaha and Pragnyaheva Pragnyaha. The word Pragnya should mean wise, should mean enlightened. We'll, we'll discuss that word tomorrow. 
why this one is called prajna so jiva in the state of the deep sleep in the state of association with the causal path is called prajna and why is it called prajna that we'll discuss tomorrow or maybe day after tomorrow monday morning Om Purnamada Purnamidam Purnat Purnamudachyade Purnasya Purnamadaya Purnameva Vashishyade Om Shanti 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 Shankaram Shankaracharyam Keshavam Badarayanam सूत्रभाष्यकृतौ वन्दे भगवन्तौ पुनः पुनः ईश्वरो गुरुरात्मेति मूर्तिभेद विभागिने व्योमवद्व्याप्तदेहाय दक्षिणामूर्तये नमः ओम शान्ते 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 Hari Om Shri Gurubhyo Namaha Hari Om